Welcome back to the Ion Security Podcast. My name is Luke McNamara, your host here at FireEye. Uh, joining me once again is Martin, Chris, and JR to talk about cloud security. If you haven't already, I would definitely recommend listening to the first portion of this. Today, we'll talk a little bit more about cloud security, talking some about the tools and, and how organizations can transform and migrate into the cloud. JR, I think I'll start with you. Uh, when organizations are looking to scale into this, and they're looking to, to crawl, walk, run, how might they best approach uh, migrating to the cloud? And, and what do you think is the, the best way for them to think about that? Yeah, so in, in talking to, to, to customers, I would say the, from a crawl perspective, visibility is key, right? So understanding what's in the cloud, whether it be infrastructure or applications, what have they migrated there thus far? The second piece would be visibility around the threat landscape. We just talked about a lot of that in our, our last podcast as well. So definitely check that out. And we can give you some ideas of the threat landscape as it's uh, specific to cloud. So that would be more on the crawl side. Now, as you start to move to that walk uh, piece, I would say the next thing would be, how can we make that visibility more effective? So centralizing it. So today, in a lot of cases, when I speak to organizations, they may have visibility, but they're having to log into different consoles to get it. So they're logging into Azure, they're logging into AWS, the, to, to Google, to, to see all of those specific pieces, but they don't have it centralized. So from a walk perspective, it's how can we centralize that? And then how can we take what we've learned about that threat landscape and start to apply it? And within FireEye, we provide a cloud SIM referred to as Helix, and we're able to, to do just that. So we can start to take in the infrastructure, the cloud applications, and provide that in a single pane of glass, and also start to apply what we know about it, the cloud and, and that threat landscape. So start to apply analytics, threat rules, and intelligence to it. So that would be on the walk piece. And then as we start to move to run, that's where how can we refine and optimize? So how can we take what we know about those cloud applications and the cloud infrastructure and use it to start to identify anomalies? And a good good piece for this would be more identifying and, and uncovering what that baseline is. What's the expected good behavior so that you can now start to raise awareness when something happens outside of that and dig deeper into it? On the, on the run, it's more refine and optimize not only the technology, but also your processes, whether it's uh, just your monitoring of that technology through a SIM solution or starting to put in place things like hunting. Yeah, I really agree with the breaking it down that way. Uh, and I think the, the biggest thing to remember is that their attackers out there are always looking to get in, whether you're at the crawl, walk, or run stage. And I think when you're at the walk and run stage, you're you know, more mature, you're, you're understanding that you, you have a better chance of, of seeing these threats out there. And so that's really the, the danger zone is that crawl stage. And this is where I get most concerned with organizations because this is probably the time where they may have some shadow IT going on where, you know, depending on, on if they have a cloud migration strategy or whatever, uh, if you're not careful, what'll happen is you'll give developers a deadline to say, I need this shipped by this time. And the, Cloud generally lets you go faster. And so what I tend to see are devs will go out, they'll get their own Amazon account or whatever, uh, their own personal account, 
and they'll play around with that, trying to get things working. And then, you know, they may go big with that at a certain point. But the entire time that they are out there doing stuff on their own, they may be just as vulnerable as if they are under the, the larger security umbrella of the organization. And that's the kind of the, one of their most vulnerable times is especially if they're using any you know, company data, which can be tempting. Um, you know, these are, are not best practices, but it's still human nature if you're trying to get your job done as quickly as possible. And so that's why I recommend to companies to make it more easy for developers to do the right thing than the wrong thing. And the cloud providers have done a good job in the last year or so uh, putting things together to make individual onboarding of accounts that all roll up under a master account much easier than it used to be. And that's really how you need to do it. Uh, as an organization, make it, even if you're not going to do a ton of cloud, just make sure that any official business that's happening is under your purview, that you're going to have a look at it, that you can set things up correctly. And this is really difficult early on. And so that's why I encourage uh, places that don't feel comfortable to you know, acknowledge that, budget for it a little bit and say, hey, we might need some outside help for this, you know, whether it's from uh, you know, the development side on, with the cloud providers and learning more about that and getting certifications, things like that, whether it's on the security side through things that we do. Uh, but just understanding that at that first stage is when you have that nasty combination of trying to learn new things with uh, very experienced attackers out there that aren't going to change uh, or, you know, they're not going to go easy on you just because you're new to cloud. And kind of thinking a little bit further down the line, I mean, you talk about uh, kind of the early stage, but let's say I'm an organization where I've already finished that uh, migration. and I'm in kind of the, the later stage. You talked a little bit about visibility as well. How do I know and are there validation programs out there for me to gauge kind of what's working, what isn't? You know, maybe there are certain things that I, I want to focus more on, check for weaknesses, et cetera. Are there certain programs out there, services that organizations can look at as a ways to validate and make sure things are in place? Yeah, there's a number of different ways to do that. I mean, from a high level, there's kind of two, well, three sides to that. So one is sort of the on paper side. So that's configuration, making sure that we have policies in place, that kind of stuff. And then on the more technical side, uh, you want to actually validate that that's true. And some of those are really basic things like uh, config check and, and, you know, basic templates that you can run like that to say, okay, we're going to go and find any obvious misconfigurations. And that's very valuable because anything that's misconfigured is, is a, a giant red carpet for an attacker. They will find that and they will get in that way. Um, but it, it tends to be uh, more effective to actually take a, a more active approach to it. Um, so the way we do that is with security validation testing through our, our Veridin line where you have basically uh, something running on the inside of the of your cloud and something running on the outside and you say, all right, let's test these assumptions. My assumption is that the firewall, firewall rules say this and that the policy configurations say this. And now we're going to prove over and over basically each, you know, all day, every day that this is still true. And that's such a key thing because the second that somebody messes up and, you know, puts a too broad a permission or firewall rule or whatever, it's going to flag that. And that's, you know, however you accomplish it, that's the activity that you're trying to go for, which is, okay, first we're going to validate that what we're trying to do on paper looks good. Fine, moving on. Uh, now we're going to make sure that what we planned to do is actually what's happening. And then lastly, on top of all that is instrumentation that you need to say, okay, at a deeper level, at a business logic level, is everything operating the way that we think it is? And to kind of build off what Martin said there, I, I think it's really important for security organizations to have that type of validation testing. Uh, most security teams have built 
essentially a, a hodgepodge of tools. Uh, they they had saw a security gap. They found a tool to help address that gap, and they they kind of kept building this collection of tools over time. And it, it's gotten really complicated for them to have comprehensive visibility into what's going on across their environment and also what's going on within their security tool set as well. And so having that validation approach uh, really helps you to, to test, are the tools doing what we think they're doing? Is it really capable of stopping the attacks that we know are out there? And, and having that extra layer of comfort that you're really protecting your organization with your security investments. What might be some of the specific uh, challenges around that uh, for security operations? On the security operations side, I think one of the the, the biggest challenges uh, centered around the cloud is being able to have that centralized view. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of times what they are being forced to do is go into a bunch of independent consoles to get that level of data. And it just isn't efficient. And obviously, SOC, you have a limited number of resources, so you want to be able to be as efficient as possible. And what SOC is really good at is being able to identify that evil, being able to apply what they know about that threat landscape. But in order to to do that effectively, they need to have all of that visibility coming into a a central console or central centralized SIM. And now with that, now they can more efficiently start to identify that evil. And then from there, they can start to spend that those uh, that time and resources on how can we respond to that evil when we've identified it? What other information can we glean from that infrastructure to understand what led up to that attack, what followed that attack and give you the right amount of information to know, now here's what we need to do next to not only close that hole, but prevent that hole from being uh, penetrated going forward. And so moving on and and kind of uh, staying on this theme of efficiency, what are some efficiencies or, or and benefits that can be gained by having a centralized platform, either from the standpoint of, of gaining visibility or even actioning um, different steps that you're taking to secure uh, your infrastructure? So visibility is huge on this. I mean, it's basically uh, almost binary. I mean, it, it, in truth, it isn't, but uh, it's it's kind of a night and day difference when you have it and when you don't in this scenario. And, and back to the SOC question, it's, you know, at the end of the day, does your SOC have access to the data that they need to get their job done, right? Just as JR said. And so I, I think that's the situation that you're up against, especially as you go hybrid and multi-cloud, which, I mean, every organization is hybrid or multi-cloud. Uh, you know, in the last podcast, we talked about cloud migration and, you know, we talked about how, you know, 80 to 90% of orgs uh, have migrated to the cloud. 80% plus of our customers alone are using Office 365, which is, you know, obviously cloud, and that's a huge component of it. And so even just that, asking, you know, does your SOC have access to the, the information they need from O365 to do their, jo- their, their job in conjunction with, you know, maybe more typical on-prem things. So even if that's the only thing that they have, and maybe they have, uh, you know, more traditional firewalls and things like that on-prem that they're used to, intrusion detection, things like that, do they have a way to uh, combine that with everything that's going on cloud side? And that can be really tricky and every time they add a new you know, software as a service or a new, new cloud provider, if they're lucky enough to know that their organization has added a new cloud provider, I'll, I'll mention, uh, they have to then figure out, well, not only how am I going to get visibility to it, but how will I know what's actually going on within that cloud? Each cloud has a different way of explaining what's happening. Uh, each app has a different way of saying that. 
uh, the asset and management is different on each cloud. You know, at a high level, they're all the same. But when you get down to the very specifics, which is, you know, obviously very important to security, uh, it can be really tricky to figure out between cloud providers you know, exactly what's going on. And that's a huge burden for any security staff because they're still having to do all the stuff that they were doing to secure their, their on-prem environment. And they will have to for many years to come. So it's really not that it's it's harder, and I talk about this a lot, that cloud is definitely safer than on-prem for a lot of different reasons. I won't go into that here. You can check out uh, some previous webinars we've done for, for more on that. Uh, but the problem is that it's new work. And so it's just additional security that has to be provided on top of the security they've already been doing. And very rarely do you see any kind of staff augmentation occur uh, with a migration to cloud, generally trying to save money by going to cloud. And you know, if, if anything, having your people doing the work, and that's usually not the way it works out. Um, there's just more uh, more jobs to do, uh, more work to go around uh, for at least the first few years, and that's a long time in the security world. One other okay. thing I'll add to, to Martin's comments about having that consolidated view. Uh, in the previous podcast, we talked about how credentials are, are the primary means that adversaries use to get in. And what I often see happen is people will monitor their authentication in silos, they'll they'll look at their their Azure authentication. They'll look at their Office 365, their AWS, their on-prem. Uh, but to really monitor for potential credential abuse, you need to have a holistic view. You need to be watching: is John Doe logging in in odd patterns across the whole enterprise, rather than looking at it in isolation? And that's something where I see organizations starting to get smarter and better at. Uh, but it's really one of the key things as they look at consolidating and why they need to consolidate. You really need to have all of your cloud sources and all of your on-prem sources feeding together to really effectively monitor credential abuse. And I know we covered a lot of uh, information in both the first podcast and this, but any final thoughts or things that we didn't touch on here that organizations should be thinking about in migrating to the cloud? I'll just kind of reiterate uh, that in the main point sort of to be as, as closely coupled with tech staff uh, as you go to cloud. So if, if the, and this is usually the case, if the dictation comes down from the executives to make sure that it's, it's as easy and as safe as possible to go, that sounds like, you know, uh, it, the, the obvious, but there are a lot of things you can do to make that happen. And like I said, making it uh, easier to do the right thing than the wrong thing is a big part of that. So having a group that is in charge of creating standard templates for deployment that can be reused within the business is a huge part of that. Making sure that they have the resources that they need to get help early on and not after you've you know kind of gone uh, big, so to speak, or, or had a larger cloud presence. When you're first getting in, that's the time you really need it. I also think sometimes organizations are scared of the cloud, uh, but I've seen some organizations use the cloud as an opportunity to really rethink how do we build security in from the ground up. And they've, they've actually resulted in a much more robust, easy to secure, easy to monitor environment than what they had in their legacy environment. So, so I would really encourage people to leverage this as an opportunity to, to really think about how to secure your data more effectively and uh, you don't get a lot of chances to build something from the ground up. Right, and I think uh, we've talked a lot about monitoring and, and getting that visibility. I think an area where organizations can begin to start to focus more on is also, once we have that, what, what action do I need to take next, right? Uh, because it does become a, a timing game. And 
once you have all that visibility centralized, it does put you in a great position to start to, to build out response actions that can happen immediately, uh, whether it's creating a, a ticket for a particular group to take a particular action within your organization, or it's even something as automated as calling a specific API to uh, close down an account or to change permissions on a solution. So I definitely think that's an area where organizations will begin to spend more time and focus now that you have solutions like our Helix Sim that allows for that centralized visibility and uh, makes that more manageable and easier for customers to obtain. Now they can start to focus on, okay, how can I begin to action these things? Excellent, all very good points. Well, with that, thanks to Martin, Chris, and JR. Uh, and please check out our previous podcast. And for more information, go to our website, fireeye.com. Thank you.